Well, God is good, isn't he? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Well, there is a prophetic presence in this, in this room. Thank you, Jasmine, for jumping right in there. Wow. I, I, I told Sean, I said, ride the wave. You're good surfers. <laughs> Amen. If you got a Bible, iPad, phone with a Bible app in it, look at Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to read uh, from the Passion Translation. Uh, just because I'm passionate, really am. When Jesus, this is, uh, man, we've heard from this passage a lot the last little while, have we not? If you haven't, as soon as I ask this question, you'll go, oh yeah, we have. When Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples this question. What are people saying about me, the Son of Man? Who do they believe I am? Have you heard that question lately anywhere? If you're listening, you will have heard that question everywhere. Who do they believe I am? The answer is some are convinced you're John the baptizer. Others say you're Elijah reincarnated or a Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. And Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Lord, let that resonate in our spirit. You are the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah. For you didn't discover this on your own, but my father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter, a stone. And this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation, listen, on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overpower it. Amen? Amen. It's, I, I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Do we hear Amen. Amen. Rick. Ecclesia. Or ecclesia, whichever term us Gentiles choose to use. Wow. That's what it is. The legislative assembly. That's what that word means. Check it out. I give you the name Peter, a stone, then this truth of who I am will be the bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly. I want you to think that, of that. Way back in the garden, God said to Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion, right? And uh, now when we consider everything is going on planet Earth, it has happened on our watch. That's not a good thing. And uh, I believe that Jesus, in his mercy, in his grace, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, are about to change things. I love that question. Who do you say that I am? It's been burning in my heart, resonating in me. Uh, Peter, or um, Rick, Rick preached on it. Mark talked on it last week. And, and I'm hearing it every time I put on a message. I hear somebody preaching on this. 
So I'm thanking, I thank God that I'm, I'm on, the, on the right track. Today, there were some 50,000 people on the mall in D Washington, D.C., and they said tens of millions of people were watching it online all around the earth. And, uh, and Israel was just being rattled by what they were doing on the day of repentance. They just could not believe it. And many in Israel were joining with them online as they watched it. That is no small thing. I, can never, I cannot remember ever a time in my life, I've been serving the Lord for over 42 years, and I don't remember any prayer meeting that had tens of millions of people in attendance. Do you? It's never happened before. The Canadian Firewall also linked up with them today. And the, what, this last 24 hours, they've been praying and agreeing with them. And people all across Canada went to legislative buildings, um, city halls, any place that represented government. And they had communion there. They proclaimed the government of God to preside over Canada. And they decreed the Lord's Prayer. So today, all across Canada, that happened. Amen. Cool, amen? Wow. I love it. One Carmen and I had that on all day, and we were trying to get ready to come here and do stuff. And Jonathan Kahn led the entire world to pray for the upcoming election in the U.S. and the Supreme Court judge. Whew. Isn't that fun? In the midst of everything that, I, that is going around on planet Earth, I hear the Lord say, Who do you say that I am? And I believe that he is speaking to the church as much as he is trying to speak it to the rest of the world. And it begs another question. If Jesus is saying, who do you say I am, maybe we don't know. Just a thought. Maybe we don't know. And there's four things that I would like to address in this, in this passage. There's many more, but there's only four. Um, and I'm trying to talk slow. I've been accused or say, or there's been a strong suggestion that I ought to slow down a little bit, but it's because I have 15 minutes to do 45 minutes of message. So I, I feel like I want to get it out there and, and it'll get into your spirit. Well, you won't necessarily hear it and your, and understand it in your mind, but it'll get into your spirit. So the question, who do you th say that I am forces us to come to, to wrestle with it. I hope it does. Like, have you ever thought of that? Who, who do you say that I am? And uh, I'm not going to stick to my notes because I have a lot of them, and, and I hope I don't get lost. I want the Holy Spirit just to really direct us tonight. But who do you say that Jesus is? Um, we could talk about that all day. I figured out uh, this, this morning I've been serving the Lord for, for 42 years, and I spend an average of two hours a day in his presence. Now, many days, it's much more than that, 12, 14 hours sometimes in days gone by, especially when I was doing revival meetings. Like the, we'd be in services that would last for 12 hours. And, and so I dumbed it down. So I, I thought, well, two hours a day is lots. When I worked in the sawmill, I would pray all day. I had eight hours to pray because I didn't need my brain for my job. If you've ever walked in, worked in a sawmill, you would understand. <laughs> Everything's production. I knew that I did one motion 35,000 times in one day. I knew that because there was a little thing, a little clicker, that every time I fed a board through this machine, it would click. 35 
thousand times in eight hours. Your body wears out after a while of doing that. So I would spend that eight hours praying or memorizing Bible verses or, you know, just, I'd, or I'd be worshiping. I actually got baptized in the Holy Spirit while I was working. Shut down the whole mill while that happened. My father was the maintenance superintendent, and he says, you, do you know that it costs uh, about between thirty dollars and $50,000 a minute when this place is shut down? He wasn't a Christian then, so he wasn't really impressed that I'm getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. I was getting baptized, and then I, I thought, people are watching me. Imagine that. The whole mill shut down while this is going on. And the foreman, the lead hand, there was an electrician, and they're all standing about five feet away from me going like, what is going on? Oh, I better get back to work. But I figured out that if I spent two hours a day in the presence of God, which I don't think is unreasonable, I've spent somewhere between thirty and 40,000 hours in the presence of God in my Christian walk. And after 40,000 hours in the presence of God, I still cannot describe who he is. Let's think about that. People go, well, who is Jesus? Um... The best I can do is he's the word in flesh, but that doesn't make any sense to most people. But just think, God's word created everything that we're standing on, everything that we see. God's word existed before time, it will exist after time. Jesus was the word in flesh that God sent to heal us, deliver us, save us, but we still can't describe him. But I think God is saying, who do men say that I am to challenge us to find out? And so when we wrestle with that, it reveals to us a little bit about who God is, which also moves us toward the fact that, um, you know, like when Jesus responded to Simon, he was so excited. Simon, you didn't just figure this out in your head. It was the Spirit of God that revealed it to you. God supernaturally revealed to you who I am. It's easy for us to look back, but those guys were looking forward. They had no idea really what was going on. And the Spirit of God came and he started to reveal, no, he is the anointed one. He is the one that is going to change everything from, from that point on everything has, uh, was about to change and has changed. Amen? And that moves us toward the fact that now we have that understanding, or at least a little bit of it, that, that, we're, that Jesus' plan is to evangelize the world, establish his government in our lives on planet Earth to govern everything that's going on. Does that make sense? We, it moves us toward the fact that we are the legislative authority to bind and loose on earth what has already been established in heaven, right? That's what it does. That's the ecclesia or ecclesia. And if you look at the direct, direct translation from the Greek, which I did, you will see that this revelation causes us to come into agreement with heaven. That is consistent with the prayer that Jesus prayed. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Many times we think we can just go and decree anything we want because we have the power to bind and loose whatever we want on earth and think it's going to happen in heaven. It's actually the other way around. We cannot lose something on earth that's going to change heaven. But when we release what is already bound in heaven on earth, that has great power. Right? This is stretching some of you, but it's the truth if you study it out. 
We cannot, <laughs> you know, we are prophetic people. We speak things, but as we are lined up with heaven and we start declaring what heaven is spilling out to, to reveal to mankind, there is great power on that, in that. And when two or three agree together on earth as touching any of those things, guess what God's going to do? And I believe today, in this, in this season, this year, that finally we're starting to pray the prayers that are getting God's attention. I think that we are finally starting to line up. It's like when we pray for things, like we get, we get something in the spirit, just a little sniff of something, and so we started asking God for it. We, and, and Jesus is listening, and he's going, yeah, that's pretty good. Then he gives us a little bit of revelation on that topic, and, and we shift a little bit because of it. And, and Jesus is going, that's, that's getting better, but not yet. And so then he reveals a little bit more, and then we shift. I'm like, oh, wow, it's this. It's not that the topic was completely off, but it's just some adjustments. And then finally we get to that place and Jesus goes, that's the one. Boom. And I think we're getting there. When there's that many people around planet Earth starting to cry the same thing, I think God's attention is, is, is getting peaked a little bit. Don't you think? Does this make sense? Let your kingdom come, God, and let your will be done here on earth. And, Father, we want to loose what already is loosed in the heavenly realms on earth. As you have given us power and authority over all the devil, we want to align with your word. We want to declare it. James, I think it's chapter 5, says you, you ask God for stuff, but you don't get it because you ask with wrong motives. And we need, like what it says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit to actually pray for us or through us, literally at times with groanings that cannot be uttered. It's like we don't know how to pray, so the Holy Spirit takes what's in us and he stands before the Father and says, God, this is what they mean. Amen? Go like this. It's true. Is, is, is this okay? Are you, is, it, is it making sense? Last, last week, Mark, he said a lot of hard stuff. He, said, he declared, yes, we always say, uh, and I do it all the time, yeah, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Well, when you grow up, maybe you'll get there. But it's good to declare the things that are not as though they are because pretty soon the things that are not will replace the things that are. Amen? Have you read that passage? It's in the Bible. I read it once. But it's true. Uh, I had a couple of police officer friends, and, and they said when they graduated, they were giving a number. And uh, when they were dealing with the Hells Angels, the hardened criminals, they understood what those numbers meant, and they knew if you were a new guy. Now, these guys had been given all the authority that they needed by the highest levels of authority in our, in our country to do whatever it takes to subdue you if you're doing something bad. They even have the authority to take your life if that's what is needed. Okay, so they understand, now I have authority, but the problem is they haven't walked in it long enough to know or to be confident in the authority that they've been given. So they need to be teamed up with somebody who knows that stuff for quite a while until they get the confidence that, yeah, when I put my hat on, I put my badge on, people must obey. Go like that. Now, there's many of us, me included, that didn't obey, and it didn't go well from time to time. <laughs> Len and I got stories, man. 
this morning as Carmen and I were praying, I started laughing afterwards because I just thought of all the stupid stuff I did. What were you thinking, old slats? Oh, anyway, that's got nothing to do with any of my message at all. But the reality is, is God is calling us to align with heaven, to become mature. It's time for us to grow up. It is time for us to understand what the word of God is. We cannot coast anymore because we, what has happened in planet, in Canada is because of the, of the, of the, the degradation of morality in our nation, we have, uh, we have voted on a leader that likes all these countries that are really opposed to God, and it has opened up the heavenlies for wicked principalities to start coming into our nation. That is what has happened over this last little while. And we are finding that we're having to contend with principalities that we've never had to contend with, and we need to know how to do that. And most of us do not. Most of us do not walk in the authority that we need to walk in, the, the authority that Jesus declared that we have. We can deal with demons, you know, people that are being harassed, that kind of stuff. That's not a big deal. But when it comes to principalities, there's a whole lot of mind shifts that need to happen. There's a, there's a life shift that needs to happen so that we can starve those suckers out and God will remove them. As long as we live unbridled lives, undisciplined lives, they have every legal right to stay there. You can scream at them all you want. All that's going to happen is you're going to get hurt really, really badly. I've done that a couple of times. It did not go good. First time I took after one was just in a small community and I just, I thought, oh, it's there. And I went, ah, as I spoke to it and it was like I got stung by a scorpion. It went through my body right now and I was physically sick for over 10 days. I mean, seriously sick. And I went home and I thought, I wonder if my intercessors were praying and they took that weekend off and they were not. <laughs> and I didn't really have the authority to go after the thing that I wanted to go after. I just thought, I'm going to little, I can take that on. And I've taken on some other ones where worse stuff happened. Jesus is asking, who do you say that I am? In every situation we find ourselves, God desires to show who he is for us in that situation. Think about that. In every situation you find yourself in, good, bad, or ugly, or indifferent, God's desire is to reveal another side of him or part of him or even reveal one of his names. He has many names, right? Sometimes he's healer. Sometimes he's deliverer. Sometimes he's our joy. He's our hope. He's our peace. He's our salvation. Amen? And a thousand other things. And his desire is to show us who he is in those situations. And guaranteed, he is somebody in any situation that you can possibly come at. After over a year, after several people in my family died, four of us fought cancer. You've heard this story. For over a year, every morning, I would wake up miserable, and God would just say, are you going to trust me today? It was like he was asking me, who do you say I am, Bill? We are called to be his Ecclesia or ecclesia, he is legis legislative assembly, but it is impossible for us to be that without knowing who he is. Amen? 
And we also cannot walk in that if we don't understand who we are. And when we get a revelation of who he is, he starts to reveal to us who we are, just like he did with Peter. Isn't that fun? He waited. Peter, you know, Jesus knew what he was going to do. And Peter goes, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Yeah, Peter, you did it. Now I'm going to change your name. In the 90s, I said, I know so many people that changed their names. Or they wanted to be called by their own name, Devon D. She, that happened to her recently. You can ask her about that. Because everybody was calling her D or DD. And, and uh, finally, the Lord talked to her about that. My real name is uh, Prince William. It is Lord William. Yes, it's Lord William. Thank you, Nicole. I got her trained. And I'm married to Lady Carmen. We are royalty. That's why I am dressed up tonight. It's to make a statement. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. If Jesus walked, you know, got us to go out on the street, and, and people, I've seen people do it. They ask people, who, who is Jesus? Most people in, in, in Canada wouldn't know. Some would say, oh, he's a well-known prophet, and probably most of them don't know what a prophet is. Or he was a good person, or he was that guy that was killed on the cross. And probably to most, all he is is a curse word. And, and for me, that was the case before I got saved. He was, his name was one of the string that I used all the time. But who do you say that I am? What is in a name anyway? You imagine Paul. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, he says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. He's like, he's pouring out his soul, all that I would know him. I, I just want to know him. Here's the guy that his first encounter with Jesus, he got knocked to the ground, stone blind, and God talked to him because his glory overwhelmed him. Now, that would get your attention probably a little bit. Don't you think? And then he had many encounters. He was in heaven. He, he couldn't even tell sometimes if he was in heaven or on earth. He, didn't, he couldn't tell. Was I there? Was it a dream? I mean, he had encounters. He wrote most of the New Testament. And that guy is going, oh, I wish I could know him. And, and probably most of us could only hope that we would have those kinds of encounters. And here he is, this incredible man that, that suffered for Jesus, that did so many things. He was in prison. I love it in Philippians. He's in prison. He's all tied up, and he's, and he's rejoicing. Church, rejoice. These chains are for your benefit. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And we're going like, why would you do that? You're in prison. We get grouchy when we don't have enough food to eat. Not me, though. I love my wife, Lady Carmen. <laughs> Lord William is talking right now. Jesus' name wasn't just Jesus. Many men in that time had, had that name. But he was the Christ. He was the anointed one. When we were in Israel on that tour last year, one of the places we went to was near the town of, they called it a city, of Dan. And... Um, and that was the place where Jesus actually asked this question. I've never been there before. I never had pictures, never saw pictures of this place. But when we drove in to uh, the place, now Jesus and his disciples were, uh, according to the rabbis of the day, were up on the hill above it. 
If they looked over the bank, they could see what was going on. And that, that place, the gates of hell is what it's called, is a big rock and, and a spring gushes out of it and, and it flows down through the country. And right at that place is where they would have their pan worship. Pan is not a pretty thing. It, it involves bestiality in the worst. It just, it, awful. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. But it was gross. And it was going on while Jesus is proclaiming to Peter that, uh, that um, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I'm sure he pointed at it so they would see. Jesus was really good at getting the message across. So they understood that was the gate of hell. That was the worst of the worst. And Jesus says, uh, oh boy, I will on, on this truth, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Now, you think of the perversion that is in our nation that is happening in North, North America. Probably that stuff is going on in our nation as well. I'm sure it is. But Jesus' promise is that on the truth of who he is, understanding who he is and who we are, because the Bible says, as he is, so are we on, in this earth, Right? That's what it says. So if that is true, then the gates of hell cannot prevail against us. Is that the truth? Yeah. Come on now. When we drove into that parking lot, I knew that was the place. And I'm going, oh, man, there's something here. Everybody else is going, oh, this is gross. I'm going, man, I feel the presence of God. There's a mantle here that I want to pick up. And it started pouring buckets, and we weren't able to stay there. We had to go and hide and eat lunch instead. And I'm eating lunch. I'm thinking, oh, man, how can I get over there? I want that mantle. I want whatever that is that God has hanging in the atmosphere. And so by faith, as we got back on the bus, I'm, I'm pulling it out of heaven. God, I want that mantle. I want the mantle that, 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 that uh, represents your power, your authority, that you can use me to build your church somehow, some way. Wow, could you imagine in that setting as Jesus points at that, that the gates of hell should not prevail against what I am going to do in you. Could you imagine the power and the strength that was released when Jesus declared that? You are favored and privileged, Simeon, son of Jonah, for you did not discover this on your own, but my Father in heaven has supernaturally revealed it to you. I give you the name Peter. What is your name, church? I give you this name, and on the truth of what has been revealed to you, I will make it a bedrock foundation on which I will build my ecclesia, my legislative assembly. We are called to govern. Jesus restored it right there. Should make us a little excited. <laughs> Probably. Church, it is time that we begin to declare who Jesus is to the world and the world that we rub shoulders, that he is the Christ. He is like, like, like Jasmine got to, to, to declare who he is. And that lady gave her life to Jesus. Hmm. Now, what is interesting is Jesus changed his name. Peter, which means a rock. We have a name. And I think most of us live up to our name to some measure. If you study out what your name is, I bet you find attributes of your life. My name means resolute protector. 
I was a scrapper and a half for anybody that was being picked on. Even in grade one, there's big bullies that were picking on this, this, this young guy who was uh, mentally challenged. His name was Eddie, and, and I just hated what those guys were doing. So I got right in the mix of it and just started wailing on this big guy. He knocked out one of my teeth. But he's kind of like, what is this? You know? <laughs> Because I was just not afraid. I would just get so mad. I would just see red. I discovered that probably one of the reasons I had that indignance was when I was real little, I was molested. And there was an anger in me that just was out of control. And I actually used it from time to time when the big guys wanted to pick on the little guys. Actually, that happened a couple of times. I had a couple of teeth knocked out. Actually, I had one knocked out by my teacher, too. That wasn't good. <laughs> Grade one. She was a mean old coot, that one. <laughs> a friend of mine, Steve, I got to meet up with him. I hadn't seen him since grade eight, some 50 years ago or more. 50 years? I don't know. And uh, his favorite, she was an old hag. I said, do you remember that one day she, we came to school and she wasn't there? Yeah, I remember that. I said, it's because she knocked one of my teeth out. My dad went down to the school. I had never heard that car burn so much rubber in my life. Like, I'm thinking, what happened? And uh, she wasn't at school the next day. I don't know what happened. I think she got fired. Don't want to be messing with Resolute Protector. <laughs> what is in a name? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. If you've not read uh, Steve uh, Holmstrom's book, Access Granted, it is all about the name. It is really interesting. Just interesting. Hmm. Jesus told us to use his name, to pray in his name, proclaim the gospel, the good news, and set captives free, to, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, heal the sick, raise the dead, destroy the works of the devil in his name. His name is amazing, don't you think? It is time to proclaim that name like we have never proclaimed that name ever before. The time is right. People are scared. They're worried. Look at them when you're walking around. They got masks on and they look horrified most of the time. I, I hate it walking down the street, especially the elderly. They actually believe the crap that they're being fed on TV. And they look at you and they like they don't know where to stand. I, oh, I just get so angry, but I don't want to hurt them or scare them because I could do that really badly. But this event that's going on right now on planet Earth is all about stealing your name, stealing your identity. Guaranteed. The agenda is all about destroying who the tra uh, traditional family unit is, what it looks like, so that governments can raise our children and tell them what to think and do. So they have no identity. That is the deal behind this thing. They're, they don't want the churches to get together. They don't want, they want people to be separated and isolated. That way they can speak through them through that stupid TV by ungodly media and tell them whatever they want to tell them. And because they don't get it from anywhere else, they actually believe it. And in the last four or five months, they've done it really, really, really well. Takes me off. Ooh. My, I am called William David. William means resolute protector. David means beloved. Both names, I'm named after two scrappers, William the Conqueror and David, who had a harp and killed giants. I learned that for, since the 1200s, there's been, on my mom's side of the family, uh, there's been somebody involved in church music. 800 years 
Somebody in my family has been involved in church music, and many of them were also involved in the revivals that happened. So it's in me. So now I'm going to talk about our name a little bit. Rick told us about this incredible encounter that he had with the Lord. Was that amazing or what? Where he actually saw the voice of God. So the last the couple of weeks ago, I said I had an encounter. I had a dream about Bugs Bunny. <laughs> God is all about offending the mind to get to the heart. So hear me out. I was in the Bugs Bunny cartoon. The setting was a symphony. Do you remember him conducting a symphony? Well, that was the setting. But my dream was just a little bit different. Now I was I was in the crowd, and uh, and the symphony was you know doing their little thing, and then out opens the back door in the cartoon, Bugs Bunny comes in on the stage, and takes over. But in my dream, he walked through the crowd, and and as he walked through the crowd with all his pomp and glory, I kept hearing the name. Uh, Leopold, 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 what a weird name, Leopold, and, and every time I heard that name, it just, it just would hit me, like, like somebody was beating on my chest, and going like, what the heck is with Leopold, and then he took the stage, you know, the, 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 they, they burst into applause as they realized that Leopold was going to take over, and they were, they were going to get graced with uh, the performance of a lifetime, and, uh, so, I was kind of like, I woke up, like, okay, that was like high-definition cartoon dream. Why would I remember that after 50-some-odd years? Why would I have that dream? And I kept hearing Leopold, Leopold, and I woke up, and I thought, what is the deal with that? And so I did a little study on that name, and it's very interesting. Now... I want to say this, that that cartoon actually was representing something very, very powerful that was going on at that time. And it was a war of cultures. I mean, it, they did it in a funny way because Bugs Bunny was sitting out the, outside of this house with this opera singer who was Giovanni, probably heard of him maybe, who was singing. And, he, and Bugs Bunny decides... Saying the camp down races five miles long, and, and so this opera singer, the camp down races. And so he goes out there, and beats up on on Bugs Bunny, and he does that a few times. And the final final time, Bugs Bunny says, "Of course, you you understand this means war," and that was the setting there. But it was it was a, a cultural war between the sophisticated and the uneducated. In the music, the style of music that these guys, they were not, uh, not trained musicians. They were just picking up and beating on a ban banjo, playing hee-haw songs. But on the other side, they were very sophisticated. They were well-educated. You know, there was lots of uh, pomp and, you know, performance in what they did. And that's what the whole story was really about. It was about a cultural war. And right now, we are facing a cultural war and it's interesting that I kept hearing the name Leopold, Leopold. I thought, okay, shut up with the Leopold. What does that mean? And then I started hearing, who do you say that I am? I'm thinking, oh, how do these things work together? And apparently God has wired my brain to figure this out because I did. Leopold 
Stokowski was the guy that, that he was representing. He, he actually lived from 1882 to 1997. He was a very interesting character. He began seemingly effortlessly learning how to play the violin, the piano, and the organ as a young child. At the age of 13, he was the youngest person to have been enrolled in the Royal College of Music in England, 13 years old. Qualified as one of the marvels of the 20th century music makers. With no one knowing the full scope of his accomplishments, professionally performing for over 70 years, 7-0, with over 7,000 concerts under his belt, recording music for over 60 years, nobody else has done this, being one of the first to experiment with stereo recording uh, before it even became popular. These are some of the things that he did. He was the first to stop using the conductor's baton. He, and that, but in the cartoon, Bugs Bunny snaps it and throws it away, and he was wearing white gloves. And he would use his hands to draw out the performance that he was looking for. He was the first one to start using lighting in, in their performance, and, and they would have spotlights on the musicians and on his hands. And it was all part of the performance to draw out um, the music. And he said music written on paper was just a bunch of scratches. His job was to make it live. Now, just, now he was not a completely sanctified person, but just listen to um, you know, the ability and, and those kinds of things that were on him. He was one, of, they called him the most perplexing and least explicable explicable symphonic conductors of his time. Nobody did what he did. He actually moved the instrumentation around so that he would come up with the right sound. And everybody knew that it was him conducting the orchestra because of the sound of it. He would actually change the sound by what he did. He was a, a stickler about the acoustics in the room. Uh, and he would make you know, the, the guys with the buildings fix all that stuff so that his performance would be enhanced. And uh, he was the first one uh, in 1940. He worked with Disney on the, on the cartoon Fantasia, and he was the first one to actually use uh, electronics and amplification. 1940, he was doing this. He was turning knobs, turning amplifiers up and down while he's conducting the symphony. He had the, st the highest standards ever of musicianship, and he actually would spend every summer to go to Paris and study a different instrument so that he knew how to play all the instruments in the symphony. And that way, he knew what they could do, and he would pull that performance out of the, out of the musicians. It was said that he uh, stood at the crossroads between titanic genius and commercial businessman. He signed his final recording contract at the age of 90. And that contract would have taken him to 100 years of age, but he died at 95, still recording. So that's what I was reading at 2.30 in the morning. That's who Leopold is. I wonder what his name means. So before I got a chance to figure out what his name meant, a good friend of mine, good French Canadian, Sylvie Chantelois. Chantelois means singer of the law. And he, he's just an amazing guy. I love him so much. 
At five o'clock in the morning, I hear ding on my phone. I'm up. And I, he, he, he sends a note. I've been praying for you today. And the words at five o'clock in the morning, he's been up praying for me. It must have been a disturbing night for him. The words perseverance and steadfastness came to mind. As you, were, as you walk in your calling, hold tight to the promises of the Father. And then he said, the word resistance also comes to mind. If my name means resolute protector, all of those words fit. Just think about that. If I'm a protector, I'm going to have perseverance. I'm going to have steadfastness, right? I'm going to resist, and I'm going to hold tight to the promises of God. Now, just remember, we're talking about a name. God, Jesus changed Peter's name, or Simon's name, to Peter, which means rock. And while I'm reading all this, I'm reflecting on the name Leopold, which led me to go and discover what his name meant. So he was this flamboyant, amazing musician, the best that they had, and for years changed how, how symphonic or orchestras were done, you know, how he led them, how he, he did what was evil. Actually, he actually changed arrangements of Bach and Beethoven. Nobody did that before him because he wanted to add more drama to the music. I'm almost done. It's almost 8 o'clock. Are we okay? So this, I do have a point to this here that I hope I'm praying that it impacts all of us in this room in a very, very deep and powerful way. In the dream, the crowds and whispers increased to the point where there was a, an applause. They were literally proclaiming the bold character of the one that was about to take the stage, and, and he was about to demonstrate supremacy in the musical art form. His name is, in high German, is two words. One is bold or brave, and the other one is people. His name means bold people or bold person. Just think about that. In the middle of the night, I hear... Leopold, Leopold. And God always hides things so that we will find them. His name, bold people, bold people, bold people. And that kept resonating in my heart, in, in my spirit. Bold people, bold people. Another word, in another language, there's the word Leo, Leopold. It means lion. Jesus came to earth the first time as a baby. He's coming back like a lion. So we need to be, get over being offended at the idea that the Holy Spirit could use a cartoon to get his message across and look at this man's life. Could it be that Jesus is using that as an illustration to present to the world what his bride is going to look like? Think of it that way. Who do you say that I am? And then when we discover that, who are we? As he is, so are the, we in this world. We need to have encounters like Rick had and others. We need to come face to face with a God that is absolutely terrifying sometimes. I remember, you know, like Mark was talking about that. And, and you know, when, when, when God started to reveal who he was, and, I, and the question keeps going over, who do you say that I am? And I know firsthand a little bit of what this revelation does. I remember being in a prayer room when revival was hitting. In, I went down to Seattle. I was, 
uh, as I was dry as dry could be. And I went into the prayer room and the presence of God, the holiness of God, the glory of God, and all the other words of God that you could possibly imagine, combined them together and increased them a million times, dropped in that prayer room. There was over 100 people. Nobody was standing Nobody was standing. All you could hear is groans and weeping, and nobody walked out of that prayer room. Nobody. Nobody. We crawled out because we could not stand. The holiness and the presence of God. Finally, when we, it was a big church. When we got down the hallway far enough, then we could struggle by holding up, you know, holding onto a wall. We could stand up, and it, we were just like, what was that? And I remember walking down the hallway, and I looked down, and there was a um, powered do glass doors. They, they opened on their own. And this family, I was just looking. This family walked in. There was uh, about three kids and mom and dad. They, they saw me, and the power of God hit them all. All of them fell on their face, like right now. Just the doors opened. Whoop! They had no idea what was going on. That night, in the, in the message, the presence of God just kept increasing, increasing. I hung onto my chair because I thought, if I don't hang onto this chair, I am going to go into orbit. And then finally, I just I thought, well, I better get down on the ground. And it was a floor like this, lots of concrete in it. And, and I, just, I just stayed there, and, and, the, and the presence of God kept increasing as he kept revealing who he was in stronger and stronger measure. Finally, I remembered that the, they had a, an altar call, but it was only for those who were in full-time ministry. So uh, finally, I got to get to go to one of the altar calls because there were so many people that came. So I crawled. I pushed the chairs away, and I crawled to the front, and I couldn't stand because the presence of God was so strong and the holiness of God that was being revealed. And finally, uh, the lady came down and she was touching, bless him, bless him, bless him. She touched my head and it was like a thousand pounds of weight just slammed me into the floor and it was crushing my bones. Like I, I, I just, just thought, God, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't breathe, but I'm okay. You know, God, if you don't stop, I'm going to die. But it's all right. You know, God, just like, I'm going to die, God. You're so, and I was so broken as I revealed, as, as he started revealing everything that was in me. Like, you know, when he talked about his heart, that happened to me twice. I w it sent me in, in six months of repentance because I kept seeing how dirty my heart was. Hmm. In that time, when I was being crushed to the into the floor after an hour or so, I finally was able to roll on my back. And it felt like his hand was going right into my body, into my soul. And he was pulling out weeds that... Like I could feel them right from my head to my toes. And he was pulling them out. And he did that for another hour. And then he started pouring his spirit in me. And it just felt like oil pouring, pouring, pouring. When I got up off the floor several hours later, I had faith for anything. We went home after that and revival broke out for almost seven years. And during that time, we led thousands of people to the Lord. Saw thousands and thousands of people get healed, physical healing. In one set of meetings, there was over a thousand people that got healed. This is in the North Okanagan here, a little place called Armstrong. I got to travel all over the place and blow up churches. It was so fun. <laughs> Pastors would invite me and then tell me all the things that I was not allowed to do. Okay, no problem. So I'm standing at the keyboard playing, just singing my heart out, and the Spirit of God would come, lambaste the whole blinking place. It was so fun. 
It's awesome when you see a thousand people on their faces and God's just messing with them. Don't talk about that much stuff because they don't want to keep looking backwards. But these are little shadows, I believe, of what's coming. The question, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Do you understand who you are? Do you understand the, the, the weight and the glory that you get to carry as you go through the processes of God that are happening right now? To move us so that we become the ecclesia. This powerful revelation releases the thing that creation is groaning for, the revealing of the sons of God, the ecclesia, the ecclesia, the heavenly legislative assembly, God's government, his will done on earth as it is in heaven. Whew. Leopold, bold people, bold lions walking in governance and royalty. Garmin and I have been going through several books that, that touch on thinking different, learning how to walk in a heavenly mindset, to have the mind of Christ, and, and to think the thoughts that he thinks about us. And most of us think that it's good that we're destitute because we're so humble, baloney. We are not. We do that in pride, and we wear it like a badge. We're not like those rich people. If you talk to the God, or talk to, the, to Abraham about the God he served, you'd get a very, very different picture. Same with Jacob, same with David, same with Solomon, same with Gideon, same with all of those guys. You would you'd get a very, very different picture. God is raising up bold, brave people, the Leopolds, if you want, who would dare to challenge the status quo, release heavenly creativity. He's raising up the Jonathans. How many remember that message? Two men took on 100,000. Art, we were, we were debating this when Art says, wow, we need, we need a critical mass. Yes, but it, talks, it starts with one person. Jonathan and his armor bearer had one sword and a bow. They took on 100,000 guys. They killed 20, and then God says, hmm, I think I'm going to back them up. And it goes, boogie, starts an earthquake, freaks them all out. And then the brave armies thought, well, we're going to join in because things never change. But he's raising up Jonathan's, David's, Gideon's, Abraham's, Daniel's, Joseph's, Esther's, the Mary's, the De Deborah's. Amen? Amen? The heavenly glory and the godly governance resonating and, and being represented by who we are. The Bible says all mountains will bow to the mountain of God. That means every sphere of influence that is active on planet earth will bow its knee to the mountain of God. Amen? And, the, and God says, he's not, he, Jesus isn't coming back for a church. We're, like, we're all going, oh God, get us out of here. Jesus is going, no, I want you to stay and become the ecclesia because they need to know my kingdom. They need to know what that's all about. Amen? And so he's causing things to happen, and the earth is groaning and quaking, and you're going to see disturbances in planet earth as earth starts to agree with heaven, as the sons of God start to be revealed. Amen? Jesus' inheritance is all the kingdoms of the earth, not just Israel. All of them. 
And Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am then in light of that picture? Do you understand who I am? Do you understand who you are? And I want to say this as we lead a prayer on the firewall. As the church goes, so goes the nation. So it would be good for the church to get on to this stuff. Because the church has allowed abortion, allowed divorce, allowed separation, allowed uh, rebellion as actually encouraged it because that pastor isn't preaching what I want. So let's split the church. Let's run him out of here because, nah, he's no good anyway. It is sickening that we have a nation where we vote in a political party that is to oppose that one. How stupid is that? And we run our churches that way. I've been part of board member churches for 25, 30 years as pastors, as leaders, board members, every kind, everything you can imagine. And we vote people for the people, by the people, and half of those guys aren't even saved and they're running churches. Do you understand that the gates of hell cannot resist the ecclesia? Do you understand that through this revelation, revival is ignited? Amen? We need an encounter that rattles us to the core, that causes us to grow up for the reality of the living word to be manifested in our lives. Can we hear an amen? Holy Spirit, will you come upon us right now? Holy Spirit, will you please come? Would you come and, and resonate Leopold in our, in our hearts? Because we probably won't remember anything else. That Leopold is a bro, brave lion being manifested in your people so that we will be brave and bold people. Lord, that we will not shriek back from fear, but we will move ahead and we will stand up and be counted. Lord, that we will allow our names to be put on uh, we will go into the, um, uh, become board, uh, the, the guys that run schools. Lord, we need the board of directors in the schools that say, no, you're not teaching perversion to my grade one student. You're not te you're teaching that kind of stuff. That, you know what? He's a little boy, and she's a little girl, and that's not going to change. We need people to get in on the school board, trustee level, and begin to change that. We need people to, to support uh, um, the godly Government officials, they're standing there. They're facing lions. They're, they're even facing criticism from the church for some reason. Come on. I hope there's people listening online. Will you get it? Will you understand that we have a responsibility? As Jesus is, so are we in this world. You know what? God has given us dominion that we need to live and move in all the spheres of influence so that things will change. Holy Spirit, Help us to understand that. Help us to do it. Help us to understand that you have put your word in our mouth, that we will speak it and declare who you are so people will understand who you are, that you will build your kingdom in and through that word. Oh, God, tens of thousands of people today repented all around the world, and we join with them and say, God, forgive us of our laziness and our apathy for burying our head in the sand, thinking, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. Oh, somebody else will do it. God, you have put the responsibility square on everyone's shoulders. There's no insignificant people in the body of Christ. Lord, you've called us all, 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 
to come and shoulder what you're trying to do on planet Earth. God, in Canada, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on Earth. In us, Lord God, that we would become the ecclesia, that we would become the legislative assembly, that we wouldn't just beak off doing dumb things, that, but we will speak with words of wisdom and understanding, that we will take the time to educate ourselves and ask you for wisdom that can be applied to the knowledge. Hey! When I got saved, I just wanted to play my guitar and tell people about Jesus. The first year of being saved, I led over 100 people to the Lord. I even discipled them. Yeah, I thought, well, that's great. I work in the sawmill, run heavy equipment, play my guitar, tell people about Jesus. I actually wanted to record music. I finally got to do that when I was 32. I had to wait 24 years for that to happen. No, 14, sorry. And uh, two things I had no desire for whatsoever was um, to deal with government and big business. And then I was taken out to Alberta because God was really mad at me. <laughs> he hated me. I'm sending you to Siberia because those poor people out there need help. First winter on my thermostat in my truck, my little thermometer, it said minus 45. <sighs> and then it got cold. <laughs> it got down to minus 57 with a wind chill, and then no, on top of that, we were the coldest, coldest place on the planet there for that day. It was cold. But there, I, I was, I, I saw things hanging in, in the atmosphere over the city of Fort Saskatchewan. And, um, and the church was meeting in this old mall, and I, and I felt like we're supposed to buy this mall. And, and then the next day, you know what? We're supposed to buy this mall. Next day, I'm going to buy this mall. Got no money. They want $4 million. It's pretty broke down. So we phoned them up. Do you want to sell that mall? Yeah, I want $20 million. Yeah, right. Then I started meeting with some of the richest people in Alberta to talk about purchasing this mall. One of the guys I got the pleasure of meeting and spending time with was the... He was number one largest residential landowner in Canada. He owned apartment buildings, um, like many, 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 worth, I'm guessing, a couple hundred million dollars or more. And that guy got to mentor me for a little while. He was totally ungodly. And then I went to the mayor one day because I heard the police chief saying, we don't have enough manpower to deal with what's going on in our city. He said the 911 calls tripled last year. And he said most of that was for family violence. I was incensed because our little town that I just moved from, the crime rate dropped by 70% by what we were doing there. To hear that it had tripled made me so angry. So I went, I phoned up the mayor. I said, I want to buy you lunch. And so I did. And I said, I want to apologize to you. Said, Why? Because what he said is our fault. It was the church's fault. 
I said, and we're going to do something about it. And then we started to. Things started to change. I wasn't able to buy them all. But I tell you what, I learned stuff. I was so close. And God downloaded a, a, a template that we can use here. It'll work anywhere. And uh, Art and I, we've talked about it, and, and I believe that we're going we're gonna to see that happen here. That was just a training ground. So if God can take this wild, snot-nosed, rebellious teenager and put him in front of those people where I actually got to teach the government, the city government, once a month about things like leadership and whatnot, what can he do with you? Because I think you're smarter than I am. Holy Spirit, will you please come? Help us to understand who we are. That we would examine the name that we've been given. That we would examine your name that we get to dwell in. And that everything would change in Jesus' name. Thank you, Bill. I won't be long here, but it's amazing how there's a theme, and I have a feeling it's not just us as the harvest that are tapping into this theme. And if we can have ears to hear, we're going to begin to hear this throughout the body of Christ, those that have ears to hear. I'm amazed that this Matthew 16 is still in front of us. For me, it's been in front of me for the last two, three weeks since I began sharing parts of it. If you were to look at my home, I have books all over dissecting this whole passage because I realize inside of me, if, some, if Jesus was to say, who do men say that I am? And then to stop and say, who do you say that I am? I'm at, a, I'm at places every time I have an encounter with the Lord. The question that comes out of me is, who are you? <laughs> we think we know who he is, and, and deep inside I'm going, I don't know who you are. And how can I proclaim you unless I know who you are? So I want to give an invitation. I believe God is in the present uh, Matthew 16, and I want you to read it. I, I'm giving you an assignment. Read it over and over and over. Chew on it. If you're a student of the word, start doing researches on it. I believe the face of the church in the next 10 years is going to look totally different than what you and I have been brought up in some understanding of the church. The ecclesia, the government of God, is being built. And he's coming back for a church that he's going to build. He's not coming back before then. All right, so I'm just going to throw my eschatology out. He's not coming back tonight or tomorrow. He's coming back for a church that is going to look like him. He's coming back for the government that rests upon him. He's coming back for a church that that same government is going to be upon. He's coming back for a bride that is going to look like him and act like him. So this is something we need to be moving into. 
So if a lot of things need to be erased, uh, deleted, reset, whatever terms you want to look at, I'm prepared to throw the whole thing away <laughs> and start brand new again, very close to him. Encounters are not just for pastors or ministers. All of, all of us, all of you, you have access to encounters with God that will blow your mind. And he will be building up your spirit man to come into revelation and understanding. A mighty army is being raised up that are going to be side by side, that are going to know their captain, and they're going to know their place and what they're supposed to do. So the church that we understood is not going to be anymore <laughs> the way we understood it. So the key is, are you ready for it, Num number one? Number two, are you willing to give your life for it? Because that's what it's going to cost. To be part of the ecclesia, the legislative government of God on earth, is going to require that full surrender. All right, we can continue and get on and on. But it's a message still in me. I'm curious to see what Art's going to preach next week. And then I've already got stuff stirring for the following. And uh, we're on a track right now, and I'm excited about it. Please stand with me. <clears throat> I keep thinking of a song I can't sing, but it says, I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes, Lord. So, Father, we say thank you, number one, that your Holy Spirit has not left us, that you continue to have your hand upon us, your grace continues to rest on us, and you continue to conform us to the most beautiful image known in eternity. I pray your blessing on each and every person, marriage, family that is in this place and represented in this place. And I pray, Lord, for a teachable spirit that will conform us. Thank you for the exciting day we're in. In Jesus' name I pray.